0: Thanks for tuning in to Baba Shop Sports Talk. I got some Jordans on my feet when I go step to the mic I cannot name an opposition, I can say that I like
1: And if you step in my position, you would say that I'm right I'm like Tyson in the booth, but I don't talk with a list I see you trying to run your mouth, you look like Stephen A. Smith I thank God, the odds against me, but I'm coming out strong I survived, a heat check, but now I'm back like LeBron uh. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Barbershop Sports Talk on this Saturday afternoon with me, your host, Daryl Lane. As always, whether you're listening via the LNM Radio Network, SoundCloud, or the Columbia, South Carolina radio app, I want to thank you for making me and this show part of your day. Warriors up 3-0 against the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, I expected, I don't know if you all expected, I mean, people... People kept telling me, especially people from Cleveland kept saying, oh, Darryl, what happens if the Cleveland Cavaliers, they somehow manage to beat the Golden State Warriors? Is LeBron James the best player of all time? People, this is what people say to me. This is what people have been saying to me, and I've had to deal with this. So I am very happy, and I feel vindicated that the Cavs are down 3-0, even though I am slightly sad, because if the Cavs did, for some odd reason, win the championship, I would have been seen at the parade. I would have had to. Because I haven't, I've never been to a championship parade, and Cleveland's only a three-hour drive away. So I would have had to make a guest appearance, but I don't think that's going to be happening, especially since I don't have the fares right now to get to San Francisco when Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, and Klay Thompson will be partying in the Bay Area in the coming weeks. But it's always been interesting to me. Some things aren't that hard to figure out. Like the Warriors and the Cavs meeting in the finals for the fourth consecutive year. It's almost as simple as if you work, you get paid. You know, if you smoke cigarettes, you're probably going to get lung cancer. If you don't do drugs, you're more stable. If you study hard, you get good grades. These are things that are very simple. They're not very complex. Anybody can understand these and anybody can follow these rules. They're obvious. And the Warriors now, up 3-0 against the Cleveland Cavaliers, was kind of obvious, and people might say, oh, oh, Daryl, J.R. Smith, if he doesn't have that debacle at the end of the game where he runs, where he gets the rebound over Kevin Durant and dribbles the ball back out thinking they're ahead and dribbles out the clock, the Cleveland Cavaliers win that game, and this is what I'd have to say. It's J.R. Smith, and nobody's surprised he did it. This is the Cavs. This is why I didn't think they would win a game from the Warriors. Because of stuff like that, I didn't think something as flagrant as that would happen with J.R. Smith. But let's not act like everybody on the Cleveland Cavaliers has the highest basketball IQ. This team is not known for high basketball IQ. And certainly J.R. Smith isn't. Golden State, in the end, they had the better team. Cleveland Cavaliers are the best player. The Warriors and the Cavs have met. Four straight years. 2015, 2016, 2017, now 2018. So when people were telling me also, why were well, we have Cavs, Warriors, fatigue? Why do these teams keep making it? And quite frankly, it's because they're just better than everybody else. This whole and it's, this whole series, this whole NBA season wasn't that hard to predict. We were a little surprised with the Celtics with Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward getting hurt and this baby Celtics still making it to the Eastern Conference Finals and challenging LeBron James and even the Houston Rockets because lots of people thought James Harden and Chris Paul, it would be hard to acclimate both of them with a Mike D'Antoni offense. But the end result, the Cavs won the East still, the Warriors won the West still, and the Warriors are smashing the Cavs still like we thought. You know, there was different storylines throughout it, but at the end, the results were still the same. We knew in the West, this is what we knew in the West, Houston was fragile, James Harden doesn't show up in the playoffs sometimes, he does not, and he had a horrible shooting percentage, he was shooting like 41-42% from the field against the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, and Chris Paul gets hurt, and he got hurt and he missed Game 6 and Game 7. We knew OKC was overrated, we didn't know how Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, how that would all mesh, and it was pretty bad. The Pelicans, we knew they're okay but the Pelicans don't scare anybody. The Utah Jazz are okay, but their best players are rookie. The Spurs, maybe they could have done something, but Kawhi Leonard and Greg Popovich seemed to be at odds, and Kawhi Leonard wasn't playing. And the Trail Blazers, quite frankly, were overrated, because that's why they got swept by the New Orleans Pelicans in the first round of the NBA playoffs. So is it that big of a shock that the Warriors won the West? Uh, then we go to the East. No one took the Indiana Pacers seriously. Victor Aladipo is their best player. Victor Aladipo was a throwaway player in the Paul George deal. LeBron beating the Cleveland Cavaliers. Is that LeBron beating the Toronto Raptors. Is that a surprise? He's won 10 straight games against them, I believe. 10. Dominating them psychologically. So is it that surprising? The Raptors fired their coach. The Celtics, they didn't have their two best players. Was it So was it that surprising without Kyrie Irving Gordon Hayward that they lost to LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers? Philadelphia 76ers, is it that surprising that they lost games against the Boston Celtics because Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, young and inexperienced? Young players make mistakes. The season was kind of all... It was like a movie we've seen so many times, and I think that's why people... We're a little hesitant of, you know, having the Cavs Warriors again because we know Cavs Warriors again. Warriors are going to destroy the Cavs. But it's just, quite frankly, it's the way it is. And before I get down to my next topic, I want to talk about real quick. We can't be surprised now what's going on with the NBA Finals. The Warriors have better players than the Cavs. The Warriors have smarter players than the Cavs. The Warriors have a deeper team than the Cavs. The Warriors have better coaching than the gas. (laughs) One plus one equals two. That's the way the NBA was this year. Just the way it was. Now, something really quickly I want to talk about, and I find this really interesting because we talk about in sports, like bad sports franchises. And I have lived through my fair share of I guess you could say, struggling sports franchises being a Buffalo Bills fan, right? I'm in Buffalo, you have the Buffalo Bills, and you have the Buffalo Sabers. Both these teams have struggled for years, right? Everybody, and I live in Cleveland, so everybody talks, always talks. The first thing they want to talk about the Bills is that they lost four straight Super Bowls. They never want to talk about that it was such a great accomplishment and the fact that no other NFL team will ever go to four consecutive Super Bowls. It won't happen again. Too much parity in the league. The salary cap, it just won't happen. The New England Patriots are the closest thing we've seen to that, and they haven't even done it. So it's extremely hard, but nobody nobody talks about that. Nobody really respects the Sabers. And it's kind of like when you're in that type of market, you know, it's a smaller town, you don't get the type of respect. And I looked this up before we we had started the show. Before LeBron James, right, Law won his first championship 2016 with the Cleveland Cavaliers in Cleveland, you know, delivered his promise. Got the Cleveland Cavaliers their first championship in any major sports franchise, any major sports franchise in Cleveland. Cleveland was number one for teams with the longest championship drought, pro sports championship drought. Number two was San Diego. Number three was Buffalo. And it really got me thinking when I looked at this and I was like, I know Buffalo, you know. Historically, you know, let's say the last 10, 15 years hasn't been known for being stability. Neither is the Sabres. Even in San Diego, you have the Chargers and you have the Padres. for the Chargers went to Los Angeles, of course. But you have the Padres still in the Padres in baseball. In Cleveland, you have the Cavaliers. Haven't really been anything without LeBron James. You have the Browns. We already know about the Browns. The Browns are their laughing stock in the NFL. You have the Indians, who have been good recently, but you know, historically, there's there's not that history. And I'm thinking to myself, what LeBron James is doing? LeBron James scored 51 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists on 56% shooting in Game 1 of the NBA Finals. And he had me like, oh my God, Michael Jordan couldn't do that. Maybe no player in NBA history could do that. LeBron James' for his career has averaged 27 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. This postseason, he's averaging 34 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists on 54% shooting. And in the NBA Finals, he's taking up another level. He's taking it up. 38 points, 10 assists, and 9 rebounds. 52% shooting from the field. When basically everybody on the Warriors knows LeBron James is the only one that can do consistent damage, any real damage. And he's still torching them. And out of the 11 years LeBron James has played with the Cleveland Cavaliers, seven the first time in Cleveland, and then four after he came back to Cleveland from Miami, he's only won one championship. And the Cleveland Cavaliers had Still have. The best player in the NBA. Generationally, the best player in the last 15, 20 years. And I dare say we won't see another player as close at LeBron James' level. Let's start at his level for a quarter century. I would bet that. LeBron James is that special, that lethal, that great. And Cleveland couldn't find a way to surround this dude with talent. How much of a travesty is that? How much of a shame is that? Cleveland doesn't deserve LeBron James. Cleveland just does not deserve LeBron James. What has Cleveland done? If you're listening, you're listening right now. What has Cleveland done to justify having a player of LeBron's stature? LeBron's first seven years in Cleveland didn't win a ring. He took an awful team in 2007 where Larry Hughes, Zarenas Ilgauskas, to, to, the, to the NBA Finals. When Booby Gibson, Booby Gibson, Daniel Gibson was hitting clutch shots. And then the Cavs got swept by the Spurs. LeBron didn't have a roster. 2009 and 2010, his last two years in Cleveland, the Cleveland Cavaliers had the number one seed. But their second best player was Mo Williams. Over his seven years in Cleveland the first time, I'm just going to sh- give you some names of players he played with, his, his, his best players. Larry Hughes, a 40-year-old Shaquille O'Neal, an old beaten up Shaq. Zarena Silgowskis, Antoine Jamison, Mo Williams, J.J. Hickson, Anthony Parker, Jamario Moon. These are the type of people LeBron James was playing with. And when we look at when he goes back to Cleveland the last four years, trade Kyrie Irving they fired David Griffin their GM who took them to three straight NBA finals they fired David Blatt mid-season for Tyron Lue even though that was a move LeBron James co- co- coincided with you have Rodney Hood pouting that he's not plagued so he, he doesn't want to come in the game in the first round series against the Indiana Pacers this year You have the J.R. Smith debacle you have all this turmoil around LeBron James and it makes you think, hey, when we th- uh when we think about this in totality, it doesn't shock me. Out of 11 years, you have arguably the greatest player ever, the great, arguably the greatest player ever that's ever touched the basketball, and you only won one championship because it's Cleveland, and Cleveland doesn't know how to deal with the player, of the caliber of LeBron James. You have the Dan Gilbert letter, you have the Kyrie trade, you, you have all this talk. Does LeBron actually run Cleveland? LeBron's time with the Cleveland Cavaliers has been marked with nothing but just controversy. Even, and I don't want to get into this too much, but even the Delonte West stuff, the first go-around with Cleveland, I don't really want to get into that. But there's been a lot of stuff that's just inappropriate, just dumb decisions. And you're like, okay, this is why LeBron's so great. He pitched the Cleveland Cavaliers in, in relevance. And I always think about this. If LeBron James was drafted by the Miami Heat, And he had that that support system of a Pat Riley, of an Eric Spolcher, like he did in Miami. Because remember, LeBron went to Miami to learn how to win. Isn't that funny? And then he brought his winning ways to Cleveland the last four years. That's an indictment on Cleveland. That's an indictment on Cleveland. LeBron James compared Miami, you know, four years of college. He had to learn how to be a leader. He had to learn all these growing pains because he didn't know in Cleveland. Because there's nobody there to teach him. In four years with Miami, LeBron got two rings. With only four, in only four years. And if LeBron didn't have that meltdown in 2011 against Dallas, they would have won three out of the four. Now, in Cleveland, for 11 years, his 11 years in Cleveland, he's only won one. But then again. The ones in the Miami Heat, a, a very solid and respected NBA organization, and the others, Cleveland Cavaliers. Like, you can't make this type of stuff up. You just can't. Now, coming up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, I'm going to explain this beef that I have with a couple NBA players, and I'm going to get into it in depth. Coming next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and just really quick about this whole LeBron James thing with Cleveland Cavaliers don't deserving him. LeBron, it's funny, right? Because when LeBron's in Miami, and I just really want to emphasize this: two, four, two championships in four years, one in eleven. The math just don't add up. I am still on. I can still. I still can't believe it. I just. I just can't believe it. It makes no sense. And it makes no sense to me. And then when you realize the type of players that LeBron James has been surrounded with in Cleveland. And really quick, because, because I looked this up after the break and I was just thinking. So LeBron's owner is a jerk. Tyron Lue is kind of a figurehead, right? J.R. Smith is an idiot. Tristan Thompson's a clown. The fans burned his jersey. And Cleveland isn't really his city. It's Akron. Akron is his city, actually. It's not Cleveland. Cleveland just the closest city to Akron, so LeBron, you don't owe Cleveland nothing. Be free, LeBron. Be free, be free, and be great. That's my message to LeBron James. But anyway, I got, I have some beef because there's some things that have been irritating me. So first off, Kendrick Perkins, this Kendrick Perkins beef with Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors is irritating me. Kendrick Perkins talking smack. Now you might not know who Kendrick Perkins is, so I just want to give you a brief history. So. He was a longtime Boston Celtics player, helped them win a championship in 2008 as their starting center, got traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Then he kind of like flamed out the league, was in the G League for a bit or whatever, I think. And now Cleveland, you know, signed him like two days before the regular season and to just be a veteran presence and just be in the locker room a little bit, right? But in the finals, so Steph Curry gets mad, right? That when Steph shot a three and I guess he was falling back. Kendrick didn't like move his legs a little bit because he was a little slouched. And I guess Steph said he could have hurt his knee, could have hurt his ankle. So Steph was a little upset, which is understandable. And now Kendrick's talking all this mess saying, they don't want to see me. They don't want these problems. And I I know, Kendrick, the Warriors don't want those problems because Steph, Steph is 6'2", a buck 80. You're 6'10", 240. I know Steph don't want those problems. But Kendrick, you talking is a problem. Shut up, Kendrick. I'm sorry. Shut up, Kendrick. I don't want to see Kendrick on the court and fight Steph. Partly because Kendrick can't even play. That's why he's not even on the court. He's in a suit and tie for a reason. Kendrick Perkins is a career 5.5 rebound dude. And he on the court talking smack with a two-time MVP, one-time unanimous MVP like he's something. And then, this is what really got me on Kendrick. So Kendrick walks in the press conference and gives the middle finger to Kevin Durant, I guess. And Kevin Durant calls him a female dog, mo, mo, fo. Little, Let's use a little more, in more colorful terms. And I'm just like, what is wrong with Kendrick? Kendrick is not good enough to be a storyline. Nobody give a damn about Kendrick Perkins. And then this goes to my next issue I have with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, why are you talking to Kendrick Perkins? Who is Kendrick Perkins. People to get caught up in Kendrick Perkins. Nobody cares who Kendrick Perkins is, yet Kevin Durant is getting all worked up. I don't understand this. I, I really don't. It's equivalent to a dude that can't play, and you can really play. You're the best dude at the park, but you letting the, the scrub, the scrub get in your head. KD, don't bother with Perkins. Please, do not bother with Kendrick Perkins. Kevin Durant, you're a future Hall of Famer. You're probably going to be the finals MVP. Don't talk to a G League player. Don't even look at his direction. Ignore him. Ignore him. Maybe if Kendrick had some games still, we could talk. Maybe. And then Draymond Green. And, and I talked about this last show. Draymond Green needs to shut up. And I truly mean this about Draymond. Draymond Green needs to shut up. This is my other beef. Draymond, I love his ferocity. I love how he talks, Mac. And I have to kind of think it's funny sometimes. But Draymond gets too demonstrative to me and gets a little bit. He's too much. Like, I like him, and I like what he's doing, but it just comes to a point where it's just a little too much. It's just a little too much for my taste. Where you're just getting, you know, a little bit too flamboyant, a little too over-exaggerated. You don't need to make everything that big of a deal. You just don't need to do that. And Draymond, it's the equivalent of the dude. It, it's, okay, you got three big brothers that are three big brothers, right? So so you're the fourth. You're the youngest brother. You come up, Right. And you're talking smack because you got your three big brothers Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. So you can just talk all the smack you want to. But let's say when all three of your brothers graduate, you know, they got jobs, they're married, they're gone, they're not at the park anymore, then you're not talking. Because you know all the other kids are going to beat you up. See, that's what Draymond's doing. That's what Draymond, Draymond feels empowered to talk because. He has three real ones right next to him. He has Clay Thompson, one of the greatest shooters ever, one of the best two-way players in the NBA. Yes, Steph Curry, one of the greatest players, a top 25 player ever. He has Kevin Durant, a guy after his career is all said and done, might be a top 10 player. He has some, he has some weapons behind him. He has some guns behind him. So, of course, Draymond's going to talk, and I don't like that. I really don't like it because it seems a little unauthentic and a little bit too over-exaggerated for me. But now, I want to talk about something that really... That really, really is upsetting me. And I, and I thought long and hard about this. And it upsets me more than Kendrick Perkins talking smack even though he can't play. Draymond Green talking smack because he has his three best friends with him. <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin Durant acknowledging Kendrick Perkins' presence. This annoys me more than any, any of them. It really does. And it has to do with Terrell Lowens announcing that he's not going to to his, the Hall, his Hall of Fame induction. And this is why this bothers me. And I want to really, I want to calm myself before I say this. This is the exact reason why T.O. was a third ballot Hall of Famer it, instead of a first ballot Hall of Famer. This is an attention grab. It's disgraceful. This is basically somebody that's like, look at me, look at me. I'm not going to the Hall of Fame ceremony. I'm too good for the Hall of Fame. And, you know, T.O. has a point. The Hall of Fame writers, they did him wrong. They did him shady. It wasn't right, him not being a Hall of Fam- first ballot Hall of Famer. But T.O. needs to get this through his head. And I hope somebody tells it to him. He's not the only person that's ever had to wait. Shannon Sharp was a third ballot Hall of Famer. Is Terrell Owens better than Shannon Sharp? Is he better than Shannon Sharp? Is he that much better than Shannon Sharp? Chris Carter was a sixth ballot Hall of Famer. Let's think about it. So that that, Terrell Owens thinks he's that above other people. You know, if I'm not a first battle hall of famer, you know, I'm too good for this. I'm mad. You want to know what at some point, it don't matter about the hall of fame voters. They voted you in. They voted you in Terrell Owens. They voted Terrell Owens in. So now it's about the people, you know, your brother. Now the the hall of fame team, you're now a part of you're with these guys. You're in the pantheon of football greats. Those are the people you got to earn their respect. He doesn't have to care about the hall of fame voters. He don't have to talk to those people. The people he's in the Hall of Fame with, the people he's busting cannon is, those people he has to deal with, and I I believe there's a lot of other events that the Hall of Famers during that weekend they all go to, and it's a big ceremony, it's kind of like, it's a fraternity, it's really important, and you want to know why people don't go to the Hall of Fame, and I was talking to my one friend, uh, my one friend Noah about this, Noah Toluca, I do a show What's Your Take, which can be found on JCU television, if anybody ever wants to listen, always have to get that out there, but when I was talking to Noah, and this happened like probably four or five months ago, when the Hall of Fame names were coming out, right? And he's a big fan of, he's a big fan of you know older players you know on the you, the older list for people that get into the Hall of Fame them being inducted like a Jerry Kramer who played for the Green Bay Packers he's a fan of that, and I agreed with them because my thing was you want these people to be in the Hall of Fame before they die right because th- that's one of the greatest travesties right when you like a junior Seau right I think it was his daughter or his wife or somebody had to give his speech. You never want that situation where the time you get inducted in the Hall of Fame is when you're already passed and you're no longer living in this world. That's when people don't show up for the Hall of Fame is when they're dead. Other other than that, you're there. Other than that, you are there. So it's kind of a disgrace. Like, how do you think somebody like, let's say Junior Seau's family who tragically died, how do you think his family feels about that right now? Their dad, his wife, his husband, his family, you know what? I guarantee if you asked them, they would say, if Junior said I was alive, he would have been there because he would have found that to be such an honor. Yeah, T.O.'s just like, man, I'm too good for this. You know, if I was the first bell, I don't need to be there. Well, you know what, T.O., I'm going to say this. You cried that you couldn't be in the fraternity. Now you don't want to be in, be in it because you had to wait too long. And you want to know it gives credence to everything everybody ever said about you, that you weren't a good teammate, you were arrogant, you, you hurt teams. Because this isn't a good team player. This isn't a team player move. It's divisive. It's, it's alienating. It, it, ha- it has a darkness and it attached to it that I just don't feel comfortable with. So, Tio, you need to chill. You really need to chill. Because now he's messing with things that I don't even think he fully understands. You validated the voters that didn't want to vote you in. Not only that, it's disrespectful to your contemporaries. And I want to ask this question. I really want to stress this. Do you think you're better than somebody like Shannon Sharp, who was a third ballot Hall of Famer? Shannon Sharp won three Super Bowl rings. You think you're a better player than Shannon Sharp? I would argue that you weren't a better player than Shannon Sharp. Because every team Shannon Sharp was on, one. And you might say, oh, Shannon Sharp played with Ray Lewis and the Baltimore Ravens with the 2000 defense. He played with John Elway, Terrell Davis. Well, guess what? Terrell Owens played on good teams. He played on the Dallas Cowboys when they had Tony Romo, Bill Parcells, Jason Whitten, DeMarcus Ware. He played with the Philadelphia Eagles, Donovan McNabb, Andy Reid, Brian Westbrook, Brian Dawkins. He played with the San Francisco 49ers, Jeff Garcia. He played with Jerry Rice. He had a lot of talent on that San Francisco 49ers team. All the three of those teams were very good teams. And they didn't when they all cut bait with them. You know when people talk about Shane Sharp, they talk about the leader he was. You never hear about that about T.L. Wonder why. And now it's time for my favorite segment. Crazy, lazy, or maybe, Dennis Rodman will reportedly attend Donald Trump's summit with Kim Jong-un. Basketball Hall of Famer Dennis Rodman reportedly will be in Singapore next week to attend President Trump's summit with Kim Jong-un, and it's said to be June 11th. Crazy. Crazy. Dennis Rodman Dennis Rodman's a character I, I find I found this funny this one was funny this one actually kind of made my dad. I was like he, he chilling with Kim Jong and Trump in Singapore I, I, I don't know I don't know if I should be disturbed about it or if I just think this is funny or Dennis Rodman is just a different type of dude man he chilling with Kim Jong I, you know what I kind of want to say I want to see him and Kim Jong just chilling wondering what they talk about because you know Kim Jong-un for people that don't know he is a huge basketball fan and a huge Michael Jordan fan I, I, I always I always wonder if uh, Dennis Robbins is like, hey, yo, Michael, you, you want to come over to North Korea with me and chill with me and Kim Jong? Kim Jong's a real big fan of yours. And Michael's like, hell no, man. I ain't going over there with Kim Jong, man. You must be crazy. And Dennis is like, okay, I guess I'll chill with Kim Jong. I'll have him all about stuff. I just find this. This is funny. I don't get as mad about this as other people because other people get mad about this. I just think this is funny. It is just Dennis Robbins' personality. DeAndre Aiden. Shuts down workouts after Suns meeting saying, I know I'm going number one. Lazy. DeAndre Hayden projected number one pick in the NBA draft. He might not be because some people are saying the European point guard, Luka Doncic, who's a 6'8", you know, big point guard who can pass, who can score, can do a bunch of different things. He's also in contention for the number one pick. But if you don't get picked number one, you're just going to be looking really sad and you're going to be frowning DeAndre. So maybe you should think about this and just say, hey, why not have a workout with another team? There's no harm in that, right? You're only going to have a workout with the Suns? Why not have a workout with other teams? You don't know what's going to happen. Maybe the Suns trade the pick. Maybe something happens that you don't foresee. Just don't do that, DeAndre, because for somebody that, and I might say this as a Buffalo fan and a Buffalo sports fan, Buffalo kicked Arizona's butts in the NCAA tournament, right? Remember that? Round one, DeAndre? So you still got a little something to prove. Just saying. Ryan Shazier says his goal is to return to football after spinal injury. I'm going to go lazy with all due respect to Ryan Shazier, who had a horrific uh, spinal injury against the Cincinnati Bengals that one Monday night game. and It was terrifying. I just kind of hope he retires. I don't think it's worth it continuing to play football, especially when you're messing and tempting fate with something as serious as a spinal injury. I just don't think it's worth it at all. So I would just say, you know, look at the bigger picture. You know, you have a life. You're like 25 years old. You, so, you know, you barely begin to live yet. You, you probably you have at least, you're guaranteed at least like 60 more years on this earth, right? Why mess it up and why f- face the risk of, you know, potentially dying or getting paralyzed the rest of your life? Why? Chris Paul rumors. Rockets need max contract to resign point guard and free agency. Maybe... This is the price the Rockets have to pay when you're getting a point guard that's aging and he wants his money. Chris Paul wants his money, and Chris Paul's not into hometown discounts. Chris Paul does not strike me as that type of brother that's into hometown d- discounts. Chris Paul doesn't. So maybe this is what the Rockets have to do they, you know, They were close this year with the Warriors. Maybe they can bring everybody at, back and see what happens. And the XFL names Andrew Luck's father, former Houston Oilers quarterback, Oliver Luck, commissioner and CEO. Crazy. I don't think this is going to work. Probably because I'm an NFL fan. I kind of don't want to see the XFL to succeed. But do, how, do we know how he's going to be able to handle being a commissioner of a sports league? Because that's a lot of work you have to do. So I'm so interesting, really interested to see that. And last but not least, Hall of Fame voter anonymously says, I wouldn't have voted for Terrell Owens if I knew he wasn't going to show up. Maybe he has a point. It's funny, TO was probably playing this all along, but, but he says this now after he's already in. TO's really trying TO trying to pull a point. T. see TO, you know what TO's doing? TO just trying to piss a bunch of people off. That is what Terrell Lowens is trying to do. Now come next on Barbershop Sports Talk, and that's it for our segment. Crazy, Lazy or maybe come next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We are going to have a special guest, my dad's friend, Mr. Zach in the house. Come up next after the break on. Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back on Barbershop Sports Talk. and We have my man on the show, Mr. Zach. How you doing, Zach? I'm doing very good, sir. Very good. How you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. So the first thing I, I want your opinion on, you went to Game 3, right? For the Cleveland Cavaliers. Game 3. I went to game three uh Wednesday night. So so tell me what was your feeling of the atmosphere? What were you seeing from the Cavs and the Warriors respectively in the game? Uh a lot
0: of a lot of back and forth. So I didn't, I didn't come home and watch it on T V um and like I like I usually do. Uh I was I, you know when I'm at a when I'm at a game I interact with a lot of the I interact with fans. I usually I usually go with someone else but I was by myself.
1: I actually was sitting uh, three seats from JaVale McGee's mother. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She played. She was a former basketball player herself.
0: Yeah, I was sitting a couple seats away from her. So, yeah, and the, the atmosphere, was, the atmosphere was was great, but uh, it was, it, it was, the, 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 it was. The effort was disappointing for the for the support of the fans.
1: I, th- I think the effort, the, the defensive effort, just was, wasn't there. For the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The crowd was, the crowd was, really, the crowd was really into the game. You know,
0: and, I, I thought, I thought, um, I thought right after halftime, right after halftime, I, I, I thought they might have gotten a little, a little and when they knew what was about. They knew that the power of the Warriors' third quarter. Yeah, yeah, but I, overall, overall, it was a great experience.
1: What? Would-
0: I didn't, I didn't like the loss, but um, this is my third time going to game three. I went to game three in 16. I went to game three in 17, and
1: game three this year. Well, why do you think that the Cavs, because to me they're a team that they lose focus for stretches in a game. You know, they know the third quarter. That's when the Warriors always make their run. Why don't you think they're able to just, you know, figure out, hey, guys, we need to come out, you know, ready to go in the third quarter because that's when Steph, KD, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green them are going to make the run. Um,
0: the Cavs, the cows need a um a spark, full of enthusiastic player, man. They 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 don't play with that. They they don't play with enthusiasm. I mean, only when they make a bucket. But they don't. They they're not. They they're not really together as far as rotating on the rotating on defense and help and, and having each other's back. Uh, once you get by. Once you beat one, once you beat one player, you basically got a free run through. Who? They're, they're not rotating. I think they're the type of team right now that has to be coached. You can't let them just play on their own. They need instruction through the whole game.
1: So you're saying that you know maybe Tyloo needs to be a little bit more involved and just like tell everybody like, hey, this is what you have to do on on this rotation. Hey, they can't just let them play and figure it out on their own. No, 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 because uh, that, that, that that is a that is a
0: work. I, I don't know if you can t- turn that around and, and over and, and like overnight. But he has to get more involved. And in, in, um, uh, I, I watch I watch them go up and down the court. In a few games, with like maybe four or five possessions without a bucket, or or a couple times three possessions without even a shot, just straight turnovers, and you know he won't call the timeout. I, I don't, I don't know if he's waiting on the TV to call the timeout, the network timeout, but he's not in tune with it. Clock management, man. It's like it's easy for me to say from the sideline, but oh, man, some something, some. Some of it, the communication is not is not there, man. Um, when the other team makes a bucket, either J.I. Smith or Trishan just stand there. Like, that's like they're always like looking back and forth at each other. Like it's your fault? No, it's your fault. It's your fault. No, it's just it's a, it's a team fault because after one after one rotation, the other team just goes right to the hoop. I saw I saw an example with, with Golden State. I think they ran the same play over thirty times. I mean, that's, you, I mean that's, they're very confident in that, in that play where the guy sets a pick and then they cut baseline and he's wide open every time. I, it's, it's almost like they know it's coming and they
1: still don't try to stop it. So uh, just a, a blatant lack of attention to detail as well as effort, yes. which you chalk up the Cavs yes. on the defensive end of the floor. Yes,
0: yes. I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm not a, a, a super fan of his. But boy, I, I, we we need a guy like Draymond on our defense.
1: Somebody to hold people accountable. <laughs> I'm a
0: Cavs fan. I'm a cat, uh, uh, so Draymond makes his players accountable on defense because he he gets in their face. I don't like everything about him, but his, his effort on defense. He, he, if he if he gets beat on the first move, he's reacting and trying to catch you for the second move. He he never gives up on defense.
1: Now, just I when when I admire
0: that about his defense.
1: When you talk about accountability on the defensive, and I find it interesting, right, I want to know what you thought about this. Kind of one of the defining moments when Katie does that pull-up three, which was sort of like the one last year. But on that play, he's bringing the ball up. Steph sets a pick. LeBron was on it. LeBron doesn't go over the pick. He just kind of is like, oh, hey, Rodney Hood, you take him. Do you think LeBron should have tried to fight through more to get through that pick and check Gavin Durant instead of just, you know, throwing the baton to Rodney Hood?
0: I'm thinking... I'm thinking, uh... You don't wait for it. you don't guys like that. You don't you don't you don't you don't wait for. You pick him up three quarter court because he's not he's, he is not the point guard. He's, no matter how much he tries to be, he is not a point. You put you pick him up three quarters or at least a half court and make him give that ball up. No way you you're dribbling down and just pulling up like that. Get, you got you got to tighten up on him and make him give it
1: up. So you're saying that. So you're saying with a that.
0: Pressure. With, with a little pressure, he's taking up his dribbling past me. But if you let him walk into that jump shot, uh, you went for a
1: long night. So you're saying that the big problem was, it, it wasn't necessarily, you know, what happened when he already had the ball up by half court and then they have the pick. And then, you know, LeBron, we already know what happens the rest the, the rest after that. You're saying the problem was before that play even materialized, you're saying they need to get up in him. Hey, let
0: me let me tell you one thing. I can count at least five to ten times that Durant got it got it LeBron baseline to baseline, even when he didn't have the ball. He waited for him. As soon as he took it out, he was waiting on him. And he followed him all the way up the court numerous times. He he, he didn't, not every time, but numerous times, Durant played. If you watch the film, Durant played LeBron baseline to baseline. Um, Sort of like the way the guy from Toronto tried to do with the guy um, the rookie from Indiana University that played for Toronto, I mean, I'm not comparing, the, I'm not comparing him to Durant, but he picked, Le, he picked LeBron up baseline to baseline. He just was no physical match for LeBron, but he picked him up from baseline to baseline. I mean, his, his only job was defense, though. I mean, but for, that, for, for this sort of game, I want my best player checking their best player, whatever it takes. They've got to shirt the sense whatever it takes, but not, they're not doing whatever it takes.
1: Why do you, why don't you think LeBron James picked Kevin Durant up sooner? Uh, bad habits, bad defensive
0: habits, and it and it, and it becomes it becomes contagious. Everybody is making bad. J. R. Smith gets down in a defensive position after one move. You throw one move and you go by him. And he does not chase it. I mean, it's just like it's, it's like it's almost like chase
1: defense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you make it look like you're working hard, but you're not really yeah. working hard. Yeah, you you get down in your position and you make this lean face,
0: and then the guy throws one move on you, and and, and then you're gone. Oh <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we call that face. when I play ball, I call it. We call that fake defense. Not <laughs> yeah. yeah. like Gary Payton or Tony Allen or, uh, or, or, or um, what's the point guard from Minnesota? From uh, um, that gets hurt a lot from um. Uh, Mike Cowley. Them guys play
1: defense all the way up court. With LeBron, James, because lots of the times with LeBron, especially this year, LeBron wasn't playing defense consistently, and everybody chalked it up to he's saving himself for the postseason. He has to focus so much on offense. But then you see the biggest moment of the season, right? You know, you're down to it. You're trying to get the series to 2-1, because 2 one's very different from 3-0, and you said he doesn't pick up Kevin Durant because of bad habits. Do you think that's bad habits? Because he wasn't doing that all season. He thinks he can just turn it on now.
0: You, that's why I say uh, they are a team that needs constant instruction and coach up. On um, Like a guy like Kyle from Dallas. He coaches his team. He, he did not have a great team, but he coaches them on F. He Sometimes he overs but Cleveland needs that. They need someone who's on them every play. On every on every possession, he's giving instructions, instructions after instructions, because uh, uh, apparently in their defensive setup, they keep get, they keep getting Kevin Love out there on a switch with Durant or 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 Steph Curry. Now, I'm not I'm not I'm not making excuses for Kevin for Kevin Love. But come on, you're making him look bad. He's already got his lateral movement is already suspect. You put him out there against Curry out on the island or Durant on the island, what do you expect him to do?
1: <laughs>
0: that's not that's not his stress. That is not
1: his strength and they're putting him in a bad position and they're making him look bad. So, I and I want to ask this, Ty Lu, a former, a former player in this league. Ty Lue won a, cha- Tyron Lu won a championship with the Los Angeles Lakers, the Kobe Bryant with Shaquille O'Neal. Why can't Tyron Lu hold these guys accountable? Um, it's not, it's not only Tyron
0: Lou. I mean, a coach is only good, as, as good as his staff. And as you can see, um, Steve Kerr takes, takes, uh, what Mike Brown and his staff says, he, he really he really takes it seriously, and sometimes and, most, and a lot of times he's listening to what they're saying. Man, you got a you got to you got a guy on on your staff who's the defensive coach, man. He should be in charge of something, just like Dwayne Casey was the
1: defensive coach for um, Dallas.
0: Um, yeah, and and I mean,
1: like, I mean and Tom I mean, Thibodeau was the it, defensive coach for the Boston it, Celtics. It, yeah, it, 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 it's a stab, it's a staff
0: thing. It's not. I mean, the coach get the the coach get to blame for the wins, for the losses, and the, and the pass on the back for the wins. But it's a it's a staff thing also. I mean, does he trust his staff? Does he, does anybody say something? Is everybody just sitting there like, uh I did a church, man. Uh, it it kind of bothers me, man. How how they coach defense. I know the court is spread, and I know that the spacing makes it hard to to cover to cover the rim, but basketball, the key to basketball, if you can't outscore the team, you got to protect your rim. We can stand the jump shots, we can stand the uh, barrage of jumpers by Durant and and, and Thompson, but the, the easy layups is are unacceptable.
1: Do you think a Kendra Perkins would help if they inserted Kendra Perkins as just a big body in there, a veteran presence that knows how to play, a guy that if Steph Curry gets to the rim can deliver a hard foul, do you think that would help the Cavaliers? If he if if he's
0: uh, game ready, if he had been participating uh, during the whole series or during the whole playoff, now it's, it, it would look like it would look like a reach. But hey, I, it, anything's possible. Anything could be possible. But it it would look like a reach, a desperation move. But we in, we in a desperate time right now. So hey, who knows? But uh, with with. Uh, a little, a little coaching, I think Nash could be a decent defender.
1: Do you th- do you think that coaches on the Cavaliers, whether it's Tyron Lue or the assistants like a Larry Drew, they're afraid to hold LeBron accountable on defense? Uh, at
0: this point, at this point, uh, you can't, you can't bite your tongue now, um, you
1: can't really work about on one feelings. You have to. You have to. You, you're, hey, that whole staff's job is on the line. They know that, right? Mm-hmm. Huh? Right or wrong, you know what's happening when what they lose this? It's, <laughs> it's, it's house
0: cleaning time. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the length of the contracts, but if he signed a, if he signed, most coaches only sign three-year contracts. I know it's not five, and this is his
1: third. This is his third year. Four, the most, most the so you think, think Tyron Luke could be fired after leading the Cavaliers to three straight NBA Finals? Yeah. They, they, they're, 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 either
0: they're not listening to his voice anymore, they're tired of his voice, or he don't have the personnel. It's
1: a, it's a little off for me. With the Golden State Warriors, it just seems like... And actually, just to go back to this real quickly, I thought... And I find this, you're, talk, you're talking about the Cavs, them not being the most, the most talented team in the world. They have bad habits. And to me, they're really not a smart basketball team like the play J.R. Smith made, right? You're an NBA player. You're supposed to know time and score. You know, he it, never it, should have been in the game. Just, I told my, me and my sons, at that point in the game, I said, they should, they should take Jr. out. Because I didn't, like, I didn't like
0: his whole body language or his, his effort that whole game. I said, get him out of there because he's a mistake waiting to happen. <laughs> what did he do? Made if George Hill make the free throw, we're we talking about something. We we might be talking about a different series right now. And George, Hill, George Hill missed the free throw. I mean, you know. And, and um, J.I. took the heat. But J.I. could have drew a foul. But in that moment, you got to go back up with that ball. Do you think you the, go
1: back up. Do you think the Cavs were able... Do you think it was the, the big issue with this is they weren't able to recover? From the J.R. Smith debacle, because you even saw LeBron James, how frustrated he was Tyron Lue didn't call a timeout, you know, the block charge call, the George, George Hill missing a free throw. Do you think all of it just psychologically destroyed this team heading into both game two and game three, where they're just kind of like, yeah. But you, think, uh, uh, but you know what would have destroyed me more?
0: Wonder would have destroyed me even? The lead that we had with three minutes left in the first half, two minutes and change, I think we were up eleven. And we went six possessions without a point, and they tied the game at halftime. Right? Yes. I how do you, no way I'd let my team run it. No, no way I'd let the, my team uh, hang myself like that. I would have stopped the action. I would have stopped the bleeding, and I would have talked to those guys, man. He, he let the game. He gave him maximum effort. They put him in the driver's seat of the game, and he did not drive him home. And sti- right home. They they, 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 play, they, they, they maximum effort. The they, coach, our co- coaches. I would think so. I would think so. I would think so. I would think so. With his substitution pattern and his timeout calls and his defensive setups, he's got to be worth five to seven points. Especially if you execute off the of timeouts. Those are points that's strictly, strictly on the coach.
1: Why doesn't George Hill bring the ball up court?
0: Oh man, it's a trust factor. I guess a coach
1: don't trust
0: him. <laughs> or oh, he's not being a coach that didn't let him do whatever they want to do. <laughs> a real point guy runs to that ball every time it comes up. there. Rondo runs and gets that. Right? If, 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 if you take the ball out, you won't have to give it to Rondo because he's right there in
1: your face. Because George George Hill is the point guard now. He is the point guard. Yeah. And he's yeah. a veteran he, in this league. He, he, he's not a ride or die point guard because
0: he wouldn't, if he was. LeBron would. LeBron would not have the responsibility of all that ball handling. He's caught up in the set, trying to set so many people up, just trying to get them involved. That hey, we can't afford that. If we fall behind by ten early tonight, man, <clears throat> we I might, I, might, I might go to bed. Hmm. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't see, um, I don't see. Uh, the coaching matchup has, uh, is nowhere near even. I, um, Steve Curry's made some great um, coaching moves in, in this series. Hey, and he didn't rush Iguodala back. Now Iguodala is still himself. his he, he, he scares me. Livingston is unbelievable.
1: His mid-range is automatic. Oh, my goodness. That's his new name, automatic. <laughs> Livingston,
0: Iguodala... Looney
1: And Looney's a good uh, player too. I like Looney. Especially uh, Looney
0: is Looney is versatile. He can guard different positions. He's always he's always after loose balls. He's often on the offensive glass. He keeps plays alive with second shots. Oh uh, little look it's little things. Life basketball little things is just, just little things are so big, if you understand where I'm coming from.
1: Do you think little Cap- things are
0: so big to this game? Just like Marcus Smart, man, I would take my. If the Cavs could get a guy like Marcus Smart, I'd get him in a heartbeat. Do you? i get him in a heartbeat. Do you think. No way you'd be scoring. No way you'd score on him with one second on the shot, he will <laughs> foul you first.
1: Do you think that Kevin Durant has now put himself in the conversation? Because I feel like after game one, when LeBron scored 51.8 rebounds, 8 assists on 56% shooting, everybody was like, LeBron James is the best player in the NBA, and it's not close. And after Kevin Durant's performance, he scores 40-plus points, has 10 rebounds, has 5 assists, and I think he's the only player to do that in the finals since LeBron, Michael Jordan, and Shaquille O'Neal. Has Kevin Durant put himself in LeBron James' tier? Uh, he don't, he don't, he don't, he doesn't carry as much responsibility. Yeah, that, that, that's a bad, that's a bad comparison,
0: man. He, he doesn't carry the responsibility of LeBron James, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's the coach, the point guard, the power forward, the shooting guard, all in one, and a psychiatrist. He has to keep everybody. up man, he, he yes, the, the the record take five plays off and. He's going to sit out on that bitch for five minutes and they won't miss a beat. <clears throat> LeBron can't sit down for five minutes. He can't sit down for five minutes. His responsibilities are totally different. If you put all that ball handling responsibilities on KD, he will fold with turnovers.
1: So, so. I mean, I'm not, he can't. He
0: can't. He is not, he is, he is not a distributor in, in a, in a, in a, of the ball like LeBron. He'll pass it. He'll uh, He's an open man or whatever, but LeBron has a. Has a passers mentality. The um, KD is a straight is more of a straight up shooter. And the guys that he's passing to most of the time they don't miss anyway. Curry don't miss. Curry rarely misses. He had an off night. Clay doesn't miss. Livingston doesn't. Clay, I think Livingston missed one shot during a, during this whole series.
1: Yeah, he's only missed one shot. He's like eleven for twelve or something like that.
0: That's, a, that's come on now. That's, and, oh, that's unheard. When when you when when you're tired. And you're holding your and you and you and you and you're trying to catch the second win. And now you got a guy coming in and hit three straight jumpers to get a steal and a dunk and a lot. Oh my! It, 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 it'll take a miracle for us to win this series, but we can win one game at a time.
1: Now, with all you're saying about LeBron James, you think it's pretty much set in stone? LeBron James will be leaving the Cleveland Cavaliers this offseason? I'm not sure. I'm not sure about, I'm not sure, um,
0: about his intentions of. Leaving the Cavs, um, but if you look at if you if you look at things uh, like like the four year run, I think this is third fourth year with the Cavs. Uh, I think they probably maxed out. I think the team maxed out. They they, they won't get no they won't get no better. Uh, it's time to go. They won't get no better. No way. I don't see I don't see how they can get I don't see how they get any better uh in time for next year. Unless I mean they do they have the cap room for free agents? A free agent's not gonna come there and let me if he knows LeBron's gonna leave. Uh so they they have it's a it's a bad situation for it's a bad situation for Cleveland. LeBron, you know, the sky's a limit for him. But I wouldn't I would I would never go to Golden State and
1: I would never play with James Harden. So he can figure out, he got to figure out something else. Well, why don't you want him to play with James Harden? He
0: he dribbled. I I am 57 years old. I've been watching basketball since I was at probably approximately 7 or 8. And I've never seen a player in my life dribble out the whole shot clock consistently (laughs) 5 to 10 times a game. He takes it out and dribbles out the whole clock, and then shoots a shot. I, I, I've never seen no one play ball like that. I've never seen no one play ball where they dribble out the whole shot—not once a game, not twice a game, at least five to ten times a game. How can you play with? How can you? How can you get? And then if, if you do get a shot, it's like two seconds on the shot clock, and you got to shoot a hell mirror. <laughs> I, I, I,
1: I don't
0: know I don't know how to play with a guy I, I don't know. How do you play with a guy like that? Because if they don't if they don't switch if they don't switch Chris Paul to the ball handling position in the third quarter of that, they they no way they was no way they was coming back from two o. It would have been 3-0 and possibly a sweep. He ended up going seven games. If Chris Paul don't get hurt, it's a whole new, it's a whole new series. But James Harden, uh, he, he was he was playing hero ball a lot. I, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really. I didn't
1: really appreciate his performance, and, and he's not an MVP to me. Well, here's something I, I do want to ask before I let you go really quickly. Uh Terrell Owens just announced that he will not be going to his Hall of Fame speech. I want to know your gut reaction to that. Um, being from the old school, I think he should.
0: He should. I know he's not going to do it but it's, it's, it's more than just him uh on he has family members and everything this is a this is a big time big things that really is going to be his last shot of glory because no no one after this no one's going to want be around him yeah. <laughs> not, not in the NFL circles you know uh he's definitely he's, he's not he's not um a team player once again even on the greatest team ever you know I, I watched football for a long time, and I've seen a lot of wide receivers. And I was just thinking, I learned a lot of football from my dad. You know, you got, and my my coming up the receivers were Charlie Taylor, uh, the Redskins, or Paul Warfield, Fred Or, uh, how they how are they gonna do that now? But I would not concentrate on him. I would I would applaud and appreciate these guys as going in. Robert Brazil. Robert Brazil came from uh, uh, I think maybe Southern University, Texas Southern, somewhere down there. Uh, he played for the Oilers in the A.S.L. How Jerry Kramer went to get in the Hall of Fame. 63 years. I bet you he's, he's gonna show up. So I don't know. Team play is I don't. I, I, on, um I don't think uh, I don't think that's uh, uh, uh that's not a good thing for TO but you know he's, he's he left he always danced to his own music, you know. Even Dennis Robin showed
1: up for the NBA. You know, he was he, he was he was he was happy to be there. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, that's the only person I can compare him with. <laughs> <laughs> well actually cool, cool, quick quick on this for a let's go. You know Kim Jong. Uh, you know uh, Dennis Robin and Kim Jong they they're gonna have a meeting soon, right?
0: They, they, they've been they, they've been um, connected for a while now. I remember he took a, a player from Buffalo, New York, uh, Cliff Robinson, who played for the Portland Trailblazers. He went to Korea with them uh, a couple years ago. Sleepy so he, he went to
1: Korea. I you, know, you you know, that you? I, I've heard I've heard that Kim John is a big Chicago Bulls fan, and a huge Michael Jordan fan. You think if Dennis Rodman called Michael up and said, "Hey, Michael, you want to go to North Korea with me and chill with Kim John? What you think Michael would say to him? First of all, he
0: probably had to talk. to
1: people before he
0: could even get to Michael. Mike wouldn't even Mike probably got his secretary
1: and then his brother in his funky answered the phone before he even the Robin can even talk to him. Now if you had to say Magic Johnson, I'd have said Mick Magic would pick the phone up, but Mike probably wouldn't even answer. No way, no way I'm going nowhere with you, Dennis. Michael be like, I don't want those problems, man. Yeah, yeah, Mike got Mike's kind of uh
0: Mike ain't get time for the nonsense, <laughs> <laughs> But But um, he don't want to go in. Mike, Mike doesn't get involved in things like that, man. You know, he doesn't get involved in, in political things anyway. So yeah. <laughs> just buy my shoes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just buy my shoes, yeah. man. You no, know, yeah. but if, 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 if it was if it was up if it was up if it was up to me, if it, if it was if it was up to me. I would I would I would I would I would um let Dennis Rodman or whoever wanna go, they can they can do whatever they want to do because most of the time most of the time those guys doing that stuff, they're getting paid some money. They're not just doing it for because they love because he loves um he he loves he loves Korea or he loves that guy. He's getting, he's
1: getting paid for doing whatever he's doing. Now, I wanna thank you for coming on the show, Zach. Really appreciate it.
0: I like, um, I would like to, uh, let you know that I appreciate you, man, and I'm proud of you, and anytime you need me for anything, man, I'm right here, man. Okay. Anytime you need me for okay. anything, okay. I'm right
1: here. I can't, I can't wait to sit down and watch a game
0: with you
1: and hear, you and hear your input. Man. Yeah. When we, when we having lunch together or something, we gotta get it, we gotta get it. Man, real soon, uh, all you got to do is call me, man. Okay. All you to do is call me, man. All you to know do is call me, give me a day and, and, and it's done. Okay. Appreciate you, man. Okay, thank have- you very much. And once again, I just want to thank Zach for coming on the show. We're going to be entering our LNM Radio Network segment only portion of the show, the second hour. Before we get to that, I do have to do my NFL previews. We have to continue that. I missed it last week. I'm not going to miss it this week. We're going to try to keep that into a habit. So third, the third team we're going to do, the New York Jets, their quarterback situation right now. They have Josh McCown, who's a solid veteran. He won't win you games, but he won't lose you games. They have Sam Darnold, the number three overall pick in this year's NFL draft. I think Darnold will be on the bench for most of the season unless something foreseen happens with Josh McCown, but I see Josh McCown just being a solid, steady force for the New York Jets. You know, like I said... He, He's not going to make a lot of big plays, but he won't make a lot of mistakes. He's going to keep the Jets in in solid position, and he's a game manager, a quintessential game game manager. That's what Josh McCown is going to be for the Jets. So I think the Jets' quarterback situation is iffy, but it, but it's okay. But here's the problem for the Jets: it's their skill position. Belil Powell, they're running back He's solid, rushing for over 778 yards last year They have Jermaine Kersey who's an okay receiver Had 810 receiving yards, 65 receptions Robbie Anderson, 63 receptions 941 yards and 7 touchdowns He has the ability to sometimes be a game changer He's about 6'3 He can be a bit of a playmaker But he hasn't yet completely put it together Where we can start saying He's that number one receiver Year in, year out, game in, game out And Terrell Pryor, who was the most talented receiver on the team, had a 1,000-yard season a couple years ago with the Cleveland Browns. If Terrell Pryor can get back to form, that could be intriguing for the New York Jets as well. So I think their receiving course and their running back course, their skill position players, they're okay and they have talent, but they're probably middle of the pack. Now, the New York Jets' offensive line is terrible. Pro Football Focus ranked them as the 30th worst O-line last year. They they're, they struggled. They couldn't necessarily create running holes. They couldn't necessarily protect the passer, which I think is going to be a big issue when you have Josh McCown or Sam Darnold in, for that matter, and with the skill positions, you're going to need an offensive line, but I think the Jets, since their offensive line is kind of in shambles a little bit, that's going to be a struggle, and that's why their offense won't be you know, in the upper half of the league. They'll probably be 20, from the 15th range to the 20th on offense, but defense, the New York Jets with their defense, I think is going to struggle this year. The defensive front seven is lackluster. You have guys like Leonard Williams, who's one of the best interior linemen in the NFL. Pro football focus ranked him 11th. He had a little bit of a down year last year, but I think he's going to return back to form and be a force. And they also have Darian Lee, linebacker, who had 94 tackles last year. He's young, athletic, he's fast, he and gets the ball carrier. But besides that, there's not really much special talent on the New York Jets front seven that you can rely on. But here's where I think will be the saving grace for the Jets on the defensive side of the ball their secondary. Jamal Adams had 83 tackles. He's a young safety. He has a lot of talent. He's becoming one of the, the best safeties in the NFL. I mean, after guys like Landon Collins for the New York Giants. You, you might pick a, an Adams, a Jamal Adams in that type of category. So I think that's going to be a boost. Not only that, they have a guy like Morris Claiborne, you know, who was with the Dallas Cowboys previously, and he's coming, and he's been rounding in his own. He's been getting his career on track. He's a solid corner. You have Tremaine Johnson, who's a solid cornerback at 65 tackles. You have two interceptions. You have Marcus May. Safety out of Florida at 79 tackles. It flies all around the field. So the Jets, they have the makings to have a, a pretty good secondary, which is going to help from the fact that their front seven is going to be really lackluster. Now here's my predictions for the Jets. I think the high, the best they can possibly do is 7-9. and nine. The middle, which I think is all in all likelihood going to be where they fall around, is 5-11, five, 5-11. Five and, and the low, the worst this team can possibly do is 3-13. My assessment of this team is the team's defense isn't great, but they have an above-average secondary, and depending on the steps Jamal Adams takes, he could be making plays, and he could be making interceptions, you know, getting strip sacks, doing a bunch of different stuff that can keep the Jets in games that we don't necessarily see at the moment. He can make that type of impact because I think he's a game-changer at the safety position. But the Jets don't have any dynamic weapons right now on the offensive side of the ball, and they don't have a dynamic quarterback. Maybe if Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold... And all the talent, all the things people have been raving about them comes to fruition this year, which I doubt. But if that happens, maybe we could talk about the Jets potentially being a fringe playoff team. But this year, I think the Jets, they're going to wait. You know, they're going to hold Sam Darnold back. This is definitely a rebuilding year for the New York Jets. So my prediction for the Jets, 5 and 11. Now, coming up next on Barbershop Sports Talk, like I said, we're entering the LNM Radio Network-only segment of the show. Coming up, second hour. Coming up next, after the break, on Barbershop Sports Talk.
0: Thanks for tuning
1: in to Baba Shop Sports Talk.